0: Lock talk radio The Great City playboys, They're always around to help build your hope up
1: They'll help drag you down They'll leave you with nothing What's
0: singing about and now
2: won't out Good evening, Internet Sam. It's your smoking nephew, blazing Rye on the ones and twos. And now I'd like to welcome to the backstage program, the A to my Baternois, my lovely co-host, Jonathan Diabolical Weeks. How are you,
3: sir? Yes. Thank you very much, sir. Hey!
0: hey! If <laughs> good to be back, man! I cannot believe
3: it. it's been one week already. Time flies when we're doing the show. I got to tell you, man. What'd you say? Time is flying when we're doing the show, man. It's just like it's not based on weeks; it's based on the show right now.
0: You no, know, because really, cause
3: I feel like the
2: I feel like the last show we did was like a month ago. Oh, man, I feel like the complete opposite. I feel like we just did the show last week. It's Let me ask you something. Last time you said that you were going to try to work 24 straight days of straight work in a row. Did you do it? Dude, tomorrow will be that day, 24 days straight work, eight hours or
3: more oh. per day. It's it's too much, man, and I'm taking off Friday, so thank God. But uh, I, I wanted to see if I could do it. I could do it, and uh, and uh,
2: apparently I could have no life. So uh, it's it's uh, a... <laughs> Not too hard to do. So. <laughs> so wait a second. I could have told you that back in high school if you wanted to know whether or not you could have had a life. <laughs>
0: Thank you, sir. Thank
2: you. Just playing. Just playing. Um, well, that is completely insane, man. Nobody should. Uh, nobody should go that long without taking a, a breather. I can't even. I can't even fathom working at my job. You know, five days like I usually do, and then take a break.
3: You know what? It's it's a little disturbing because I was working on the weekends and uh, I'm a little lazy. I get up real late uh, in the afternoon and I would go into the office and try to pull late hours. So I would do like a four o'clock to eleven thirty schedule. Right around ten p.m., man, when you're like the only person in the office, it gets real spooky, especially in a big building like <laughs> I'm I work in, And I, I was hearing like clicks and clacks in certain rooms, and you, you know the, the lights are all motion sensors, so you're in this like huge maze of desks, and you're like, there's one light there, and when you move around, your light turns off. It's a little, uh, it's really freaky, but, you know,
2: <laughs> I ain't doing it anymore. <laughs> then when you saw this, uh, you you posted on your Facebook that you couldn't get to sleep because you saw a commercial for Insidious 2, speaking of <laughs> things that creep you out. So, well, t- what was that about? Uh, did you see the first one and you were scared by it? Well, first of all, yeah, I saw the first one. It was
3: excellent, I thought, uh, and I was super scared by it. And then I was just browsing on the web. You know how the internet's just going insane, and uh, all of a sudden they got like previews before your 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 video you want to see. And this video just comes out. I don't. I can't click out of it in uh, enough time. I can't find the X ex- and, like, and uh, exit. And it shows me a preview for Insidious Two, and I just I almost fell over my chair. It was that scary. Uh, there's like. <laughs> There's like different voices. There's like a picture of an old guy that pops up out of nowhere. I almost had a heart attack,
1: and uh, you know I'm
3: trying to sleep. I try to get my eight hours a night sleep. I, I I got literally probably like two hours and I was tossing and turning. I was checking my closets. Uh, it was just uh, too much. What's the uh, movie about? Insidious. Well, I remember uh, Insidious was about. Some, uh, it's a family, it's, it's about a father figure, most importantly, uh, who has the ability to basically, in his sleep, he can go back into, like, different dimensions. And this, there's a nightmarish dimension, like a hellish dimension, like a hellerman dimension. <laughs> and basically he loses his son to a demon who uh, who takes over his son and brings him to this dimension. So he has to go back and get his son's soul, his son's soul back. And when he does that, he saves his son. In the process, a a demon kind of, like, goes into his own body. And I think this is what the second one's really about. uh, That demon has crossed over into the regular world, uh, living world, and he's got to contend with it. And I think it's within his own body, so. It's in the father's body now? Yes. And uh, so it's a lot like, uh, it's actually, it it borrows a lot from uh, Asian horror, I think. It's a lot about the spirits. And hell and hell being really part of our own reality and existence right now, you know, and that's versus like Christian and and Western religion, which believes that hell is something that you experience after death. You know, I think Asians are more, uh, they kind of melt that all together in your own existence, uh, currently.
2: Well, I think we learned that hell exists here on earth when we made a trek to Atlanta.
3: Oh, we went. We
2: crossed that dimension, man. We did. That was the Chittiest three.
0: Uh,
2: hell on wheels. It's a, <laughs> it's a, whatever the. It's not a sequel and it's not a prequel, but whatever is in between the first just, and second movie. What would you call that? I, I would think that was that was the remix to the premix.
0: That was <laughs> <laughs>
3: the remix to the premix. That was the remix to the premix to the OG version insidious one yes Uh, 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 (laughs)
2: featuring usher and loon by the way (laughs) when did patrick wilson uh start starring in every single horror movie there is and when did this guy the guy who plays the father in insidious this this guy who's just this very looking all-american guy but uh, when did he just become that the creepy guy? I don't know when this happened or why. That's true. I
3: I remember him playing a lot of villains for some reason. I thought he, I thought he was in the, the the remake of the Eighteen. It was as a villain. And, um I don't. I don't. He has a villainous face. Doesn't he? He has like a face you can't really trust. But for some reason he works in. Does,
2: doesn't he have like a face you can't. He's like a. I think he's he's just a beautiful, beautiful man. Very very ripped too. Jacked body. Great looking guy. Yes. Uh, I uh, I well. I don't. What movie was he in last before Insidious? I don't really
3: remember listen, him. The
2: the thing I remember before that was some show where he was a doctor that like wasn't on TV but it was on TV or it was on Netflix or something and it was uh and it it like. His wife was dead but alive. I don't know what the hell was going on with that show, but it was terrible. But the movie that I remember was uh, the one with, what's it called? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, what's it called? Lakeland Floor or something? Floor of, oh,
0: yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. Lake, Lake, Lakeview,
2: oh. <laughs> Lake, Lakeview uh, Terrace or something like that. Yeah, Lakeview Terrace, I think.
0: <laughs>
2: movie's terrible.
3: <laughs> it was it was terrible, but you know, it, I think it was a movie for you to experience Sam Jackson as your neighbor, and I thought that was incredible, actually. But uh, yeah, <laughs> he was a bad guy, though. Uh, he he was, and he was scary in it, and he was like over the top completely. It's like it's like if you if you had a loud noisy party at your house, he you basically came over and burned your your uh, whole house down. He's
2: so angry. <laughs> All I know but, is that yes. Patrick Wilson has been either the villain or like the evil new boyfriend that the romantic lead has to get, take the girl away from by the end of the movie.
3: Right, right. And, and why he's made that jump to horror movies, and he's done it pretty successfully, I think, since uh, Insidious 1, uh, I don't know. I I have know, but he does a good job. He, I guess he's a good family guy, and, you know, you don't know whether or not he's good or bad, and you kind of... And that's, I think that's the key to uh, a true character in a, in a horror
2: film. Especially if someone's trying to him over, possessing him. Has a face you can't trust. So, John Week, how was your Jonathan weekend? Did you, uh, oh. did, did you do anything besides work?
0: <laughs> I got,
3: well, uh, I got invited to, to things. I, I, did, I turned them down though, because I was working, but, uh, I got invited to, um, a soccer game in Montreal and to go camping. I turned down both, so in, in a way, I had
2: a weekend. I had an opportunity of a weekend. Who were you going to go camping with up there, coworkers? Yeah, coworkers, and I thought that was just a bad idea.
3: It I, I was a terrible know.
0: idea. <laughs> it,
3: it, it really is, actually, and I, I totally agree with you on that one. Uh, but first of all, I would be like, the only single guy out of like four couples, and then secondly. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's going to bring back a lot of memories, uh, especially if I don't shower and I don't have access to running water. Uh,
2: yeah, it's not something they want or I want for the world to see. <laughs> MTV will make a show out of it and put it on about five years ago. Yeah, they call it dirty. <laughs> so this, uh, you know, before the program tonight, sometimes, you know, when you're working on stuff, you, you want to... Google it and see if people are saying anything about it. So I figured since I haven't really Googled um, the backstage show yet that I would do it, Just I was doing it in hopes that someone was like, oh, this guy Weeks is a douchebag, or this, this guy Holmes is an idiot, or this guy Holmes is a douchebag, and this guy Weeks is a wizard. You know, so I wanted something, but I shit you not, this is what I got. Uh, there's two different websites. It, they look very similar to one another. So one is called uh, SportBala.com, and Blaze and Ride Backstage came up. It's the first thing on the page. It says "It says SportBala Trending News, and it says Blaze and Ride Backstage, August 22nd, 2013, so this is last Wednesday, uh, Source Blog Talk Radio, And this is the description of our episode from last week. Are you ready for this, John? Uh, I am so ready to hear this, yes. This is the description. (laughs) Ten-time world boxing champ Roy Jones Jr. talks about current events in sports, upcoming super fights, and when he may return to the the ring. In this action-packed show, Navy SEAL David Rutherford explains the power of dir dot, dot, dot. And then it trails off, and I don't know what the rest is. Because when <laughs> I click on the rest of it, it goes to our episode. So I thought, okay, maybe you click on it and it goes to this other show that's about this shit. No, it goes to our crazy show that did not have a Navy SEAL, nor Roy Jones Jr. on it last week.
3: <laughs> All i got to say is, wow, we're we absolutely nothing about sports. But we're, I guess we're that good. We cover all topics, and, and people just want to hear us. That's why we're out there. Uh, Roy Jones, you know, uh, I don't think we had anything close to Roy Jones or boxing on our show. So uh,
0: maybe uh, I don't know. I really don't know what to say about that.
2: Well, here's the second one. The second one we were on TVballer dot com. Like I said, they look the website looks very similar. They've got to be the same people running them. And under the, we're the first thing on this page. T-Bala, tr- uh, not T-Bala, that sounds like a political party. Um, t- T-V-Bala trending news. Blazing right backstage August 8th, 2013. So this is a few weeks ago. Oof. And this is what it says. Elite trainer Professional P joins Frank Fontana in breaking down some of those confusing fitness myths and giving inside tips to help us reach our goals faster. 16-year-old award-winning singer-songwriter and dot, 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 and then it trails off and goes to our episode. So, I don't know what the hell's going on. Are we in Bizarro World?
0: I
3: I think this is beyond Bizarro World. I think we're in Sidious Blair Witch Bizarro Hellerman World. Um, (laughs) I I don't even know what to say about that. There's got to be a fan at Sportballer and TVballer.com and they have no idea what they're listening to. They probably hate us, but For some reason, they want to put us there on their website, you know. I don't know. I
2: don't know what that is. They say we have, like, real people on the show. Like, the thing is, like, when I just read Frank Fontana, wasn't that the character on Murphy Brown? Wasn't that there a Frank Fontana on Murphy Brown? Yes, it it was. Was Frank the guy with, like, the curly hair?
0: Yeah, yeah was the
2: bald-headed, curly guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was Frank Fontana. So I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they're uh, maybe getting your Frank Murphy Fontana. Brown, Blazon Rye, Murphy Lee. All, everything is all screwed up. <laughs> I'll be Murphy
3: Brown. You can be Frank Fontana or, or the, the old boss or something. I, I want to be Elvin. That,
2: Elvin? Was that the painter? Yeah, the painter who, his name was Elvin, right? Like, but the thing is, anytime anyone hears Elvin, of course you think of the guy from the Cosby Show, not this Elvin. But I think that both their names was Elvin. Maybe one of them. Maybe this guy was Elgin, actually. Well, whatever I hear Elvin, I think of
3: Lord of the Rings and elves, and I,
0: I, I don't know what. <laughs> that that so, guy was really uh, creepy
3: too. That painter was he
2: was he hitting on her too? It just seemed like everybody was hitting on Murphy Brown in that show. You know, I think I confused that painter with Eddie Van Halen.
0: <laughs>
2: I think I, I, I just feel like they're the same person for some reason.
3: You know, I, I see a resemblance. He looks like he was in Van
2: Halen. Like, he, does, he really does, actually. He probably he was. was Shit, you probably were in Van Halen. They go through uh, lead singers like Van Halen goes through lead singers. That's right, I wait. <laughs> so, John, we said it's, it's hump day. What do you plan on humping?
0: Oh,
3: I just saw a uh, a lamp post. I think I'll hump this on the
2: street. There's plenty of people riding along in their bikes, I think they'll enjoy it. Uh, when you do these shows with me, are you walking out on the street screaming, "Hey, man, what you do with it?" and just freaking people out? Well, literally, I am walking along the streets,
3: and literally, there are people on bikes, sometimes multicolored bikes, and bikes that are, like, lighting up, walking and, and dro- uh, by screen by me. Yeah, everybody sees me. I'm, like, in the parking lot of an elementary school, which is probably not the right place to be, but
0: but I, uh, you know,
3: it's uh, you, you, you do what you gotta do. Uh,
2: you're getting a little hanson right now. <laughs> As in Chris Hanson. Um, so, this... Uh, this this past weekend for me, I went back to um, New Haven, and uh, went Elm to see City, the mom. Du- Elm City, right? I went to see the mom Dukes and whatnot, and she got this new TV and new cable company. Which, by the way, ATT Uver sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, I, I don't
0: think I was going
2: to that. it's like you, I thought you couldn't ever get anything worse than Time Warner, but this shit, man. There was a the, like. First, they couldn't fix it. First, they just didn't show up to the first appointment. Then, which Time Warner does as well. Then they showed up and installed everything. But then shit was all wonky and and like the pictures going in and out, the sounds cutting in and out, and the fucking uh, on demand. Forget about it. It's like you're watching. It's like you're watching a video on a MacBook that you just spilled water all over. <laughs> it has been my experience. Um, so th- the guy was over for hours, hours on Sunday trying to fix it, and he ain't fixed it. And then another guy was there yesterday, and apparently he uh, couldn't fix it either. So then I just started tweeting at them, and I I don't know if they fixed it or not yesterday, but I hope they did because this is, this is not good for Mont <laughs> That sounds like a
3: nightmare. 18 oh, oh, you versus. Uh, there's another one. I don't know if it services that area, but uh, I know it does in American. Uh It's called uh, COX Cox Cable. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is, there, there is a Cox Cable out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I heard it. I've heard of it. Yeah. It's good. I, I, as far as I see it, it's pretty good and pretty reliable. Um, they should you know, widen their span in terms of the coverage, I guess.
2: But, uh, yeah. You, you you talk about m- m- Meriden quite a bit. I don't remember you ever living in Meriden. I didn't. You know, I, it's almost like I did. I worked for like two and a half years in Meriden, the uh,
3: Superior Court over there. So I, I got to know Meriden uh, a little bit. You know, and uh, I made some friends around that area. So, you know, Meriden became like a real sh- central spot. You know, if I was working at Harford, I'd meet up with my friends in Meriden, that kind of thing. So.
2: So, oh, know, much love to Meriden. <laughs> Holla back, Meriden, the dirty back, water, Yogan. south Side, church street party. Uh, these are all things that don't apply. So over the weekend on uh, Saturday, uh, I texted, you know, whatever mains were left around to go out. And it just wound up being uh, me and, and Main Drew. And just so everyone knows, Andrew Mindrew is my best friend since first grade. And he, you, you can barely understand a word he says. Um, and he's kind of racist against uh, his own race. He's a young African-American man, 30-year-old man like the rest of us. But he's, he, and he's, hes we call him Uncle Ruckus because he's kind of racist. So that'll come up later. But, um, so what we do is me and uh, Mindrew, we... Go to uh, Sally's. First, we go, well, we park in Sally's, right? The pizza place in New Haven. You're familiar with this place, right? Oh,
3: yeah. Sally's, uh, you know, one of the big three
2: pizza places in New Haven, yeah. Right. And so we look across the street, and there's this comedy club called Joker's Wild. And Andrew goes, Oh, man, I kind of want to go to a comedy club. And I said, Oh, we're going to go. No good (laughs) will come of this, but we'll go there later. Um, And we. Uh, uh, what happened? Sally's took cash only, which I was afraid of. So um, I was trying to go to an ATM. So then I go into Joker's Wild because it said there was an ATM in there. And I'm like, oh God, I hope the ATM's like not in front of the comedian and you got to, you know, get heckled by the comedian. So I, uh, the guy, the bouncer was like, you go all the way to the back. So I went all the way to the back and I go to this stupid ass ATM and it said like, what would you like to take out? $20? And there were no other options. And so I uh, I was like, I tried to hit some other button, but it was like, you can only take out 20. So then I tried to take out 20 and it said, this ATM charges a fee of $4. So then oh, I, in, the, in the moment, I was just like, well, you know, this was kind of a bar mitzvah in hyperspace already. So let me just finish this. And I clicked okay. And then it came back and said that like it was an invalid pin or something and it got declined. Thank God. Because then I went to some other uh, ATM, and it was like $2 um, of a fee uh, because, you know, there's no banks around there in Worcester Square. So we're at this other place where the ATM is. So we go across the street, and Andrew said he's never been to Pepe's. And Pepe's, of course, they take credit cards, so I didn't even need to go through all that ATM drama in the first <laughs> place. So we go to Pepe's. We're parked in the Sally's lot. I think there's some sort of – I think we could have gotten arrested for that. Um <laughs> We go uh, to Sally's, and there's these two young kids sitting next to us. And Andrew is eating just like a fucking slob. You know, he always has. Uh, <laughs> he has disgusting eating and drinking habits. And they gave him a ginger ale, but it looked like a beer. So it looked like he was getting hammered. Um, and
1: <laughs> these two
2: kids must have been about 21 or younger years old sitting next to us. And they noticed that neither Andrew or I, we're eating the crustuses off our pizza. We kept putting mm-hmm. the crustuses back because we got a large pizza, and it, it's hard to get through a pizza that big um, while eating the crustuses. So uh, I noticed at some point one of them kids was eyeing the crusts, and I heard him kind of say to his friend, I kind of just want to ask them if I can just eat their crusts. And then mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I'm trying to keep like a normal gaze at Andrew and just, Carry on that conversation. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm thinking, what are these kids, fucking nuts?
0: Who,
2: you know, who eats strangers' crusts at a at a pizza place in the fourth most violent city in the world, mind you?
0: <laughs>
2: the Elm City right there. <laughs> I mean, it was just, like, very disturbing. And, and then the other kid, like, misheard him, and he was like, oh, yeah, you can have, I don't really like crusts, you can have mine. And the kid was like, no, I'm talking about bears, look at all that crust. <laughs> it was like oh and they just looked at us awkwardly and I was just trying to get through the conversation with Manger, trying not to pay them no mind and then we only left one slice like they they got a medium pizza and had to take stuff home we got a large pizza and there was only one slice left and so the waitress keep in mind this is at Pepe's where people you know plow through pizzas she was shocked she was like wow you guys did good and then i felt very bad about myself
0: <laughs>
2: first of all you should
3: never feel bad about yourself always feel good all right, i mean that's that's commendable that you finish the pizza secondly you people a lot of people don't finish your crust that's common third of all what the hell are these kids thinking it's like communal crust eating night or something like that who eats other people's crust
0: who eyes
3: other people's crust
0: this is just you're the crust king yeah, is he, is he the crust king, the pizza crust king of uh, yeah. Elm City? I mean, this is just,
3: that, that is just bizarre to me. Uh, you know, it, it, what has it happened to the youth of today where they think they can share crust? A man's crust is a man's crust. You don't get a part of that. You know? <laughs> it, it, I will throw it out as I deem necessary. And if I want to <laughs> eat it, I'll eat it. If I don't, I will not eat that.
2: <sighs> that you know, Which I am not that, a I, fan of eating other people's shit that has their saliva and stuff on it anyway, even if I know the person, let alone if I'm a complete stranger who could have herpes and all different sorts of shit going on with myself. You know what? I
3: wholeheartedly agree. I mean, sharing is not caring, really, sometimes. It's really not caring. Uh, You know, like, I I cannot take family dinners, like big family dinners, like Chinese restaurants where people are all, all sharing the same food, You know, I don't want people. I don't know where people's hands have been. I don't know where my my hands have been. You don't want them in your food.
2: Okay, so I mean. (laughs) I don't, don't no. That was always the risk in going to to dinner with you weeks because you never know what disease you'll leave with. (laughs) That's that's what my brother said. He said, I
3: went on a family trip to Chicago and and for some reason I got sick or something. I got everybody sick on that trip. I got better (laughs) and they were like, all in serious, serious
2: medical condition. Uh, it's so bad that they couldn't even fly out for, like, another week. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> Wait, and you think you were the culprit of that and you didn't get sick? I definitely was the culprit because I was, I was sick, but I wasn't uh, as
3: bad as them. I, I don't know if for some reason I could take this, the cold better, but uh, they got in and it just multiplied by a thousand times. Uh, for some reason. My brother's like, you just called that epidemic, bro. That's what he's saying.
2: <laughs> Suddenly, your brother is the waiter from that restaurant with the little salad. Uh, and uh, was it that night? Was it that night that uh, your brother had the nightmare that y- you were a head following it through the lair? Oh, oh my god.
0: Oh my god! Well, it
3: was around that time. Yeah, Man, my, pa- my, pa- my brother had a nightmare about uh, being stuck in a maze, being followed by one of the, the skulls on fire in Doom, and the skull that, in
2: particular, he was scared of was me, my face.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. You See, you made them delirious to the point they were having nightmares about your head chasing them,
3: I, I, trying I did. to kill it
2: was,
3: you. It, it was something else, man. It was, you know, I'm not proud of that, that past, that history right there. Uh, but my uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: the next question is, did you like Pepe's Pizza?
2: Yeah, I'd been there. Andrew hadn't been there, I, and and I asked Andrew, Mangrew what, what do you what do you think? Do you like it better or worse than Sally's? And he said it's it's about the same, which I agree with. I think both of the places taste about the same. What do you mm-hmm. think? I totally agree with that, but I I think in my book, at least,
3: you know, in my experience at is a little bit better because Sally's service completely sucks. I, I don't know what I'm sorry. I'm calling out Sally's right now. I had to wait like four hours in the line one time. And my pizza was sitting on a table for like an hour. We saw it. We were we were eyeing that pizza that night, and it <laughs> didn't come to us for another two hours. It was like a six-hour experience, a journey into hell and back. And the pizza was about to say it's happy, yes, but service. Oh my gosh,
2: it was a nightmare. It was hellish. <laughs> what? Uh, for those who don't know, uh, New Haven is home to uh, some of the finest pizza in the country. So there'll be. Lines outside these places, and there's there's a few of them, but these are kind of the the oldest in Maine too. Pepe's being the oldest. Um, what was weird, John weeks the other night was that it was the freshman orientation weekend at Yale, and uh, I just figured that both places would be mobbed. It turned out Pepe's was the one that had a line outside, and Sally's had there there was space inside to to eat. I didn't understand there was no one in line at Sally's, and there was there was like half the restaurant was. I understand. Yeah, that is bizarre. Uh, The wine is is always
3: a mystery of science. And people come in and out of that place without going into the wine. It's like preferential treatment. I saw a lot of that at Sally's for some reason uh, that time I went, and it was just odd to me, which I think is bad business. But when people see that too often. um, I will say (laughs) there's a lot of people who don't know about the Elm City and the glorious pizza that they have from Sally's to Modern's to Pepe's. And I have Mm -hmm. started almost like affinity brawls here, because everybody wants to rep Brooklyn pizza or New York pizza, and they think it's great, which is good. Or they want to rep Chicago deep dish pizza. But I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, I'm going to tell them. Elm City Pizza, the big three, the best pizza in the world. There's no one that can compete. It's just untouchable. And if they want to complain that it's burnt, they could go to Hellerman. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Don't you want pizza right now?
3: I want pizza right now, and I'm going to get it this weekend. I'll be in that <laughs> Elm
2: City. Nice, nice. Um, well, you know, about the preferential treatment, back in uh, in high school, when I was best friend with the mayor's kid, Danny, um, we would go to Sally's and we would try not to get preferential treatment to the point that one time Danny like wore a, a baseball hat to as like a disguise so that the guy wouldn't recognize him. But of course like the guy comes out and he's like uh you guys come come with me. And and Dan's like no, nah, nah, it's okay. And the guy's like uh, no, you're coming right now and they won't accept your refusal. Uh, if you're like, you know, a, a prominent dignitary such as Mayor DeStefano and his kinfolk. So uh, we would always, we would, whenever we went to Sally's, we would always cut the line. And it, uh, let me tell you, I fucking love that shit. It made me feel important. I was only important by association. And it was a beautiful thing. Same shit with the Pilot Pen Tennis Tournament. Got to sit front row there and shit. That was awesome just because I was friends <laughs> with the kids. And uh, yeah, I, I do miss that. That was a lot of fun. I will
3: say you guys did the honorable and and noble thing to re- first refuse the preferential treatment, but hey, if it's uh, if it's offered and you can't you know reject it in kindness, then hey, live it up, man. That's how you got to do. It. You got to joy ride. This is life, you know. And uh, you got to. <laughs> I gotta, mean, even take
2: what's given to you, you know. Even the mayor, even the mayor would refuse, and and they would they would make him come in. By the way, Songsin, I just saw his Facebook status, and it says. Prung ni, yang, mai, sai, kyun, pai, kor, pyong, rao, Bun tor, pai, rao, jer karm, sum, ret, hao, ro, kang, lang, ying, dang, qua.
3: a translation, I'm going to the gym to play with some sweaty balls. <laughs> do so, you know what time it is?
2: Oh, my God. Hot mess I missed. Boy, the time is really flying tonight. Here we go. Oh, God, who's the mess?
0: Come and you. Me. Oh, love the mess, love the mess, love the mess. Please
1: love the mess, love the, the mess, love the mess. I'm twerking. I'm foggy. Bo- th- und- Rad- Med- 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 twerking. twerking. Trans- And twerking. And twerk it
0: up. Twerk it up.
2: Twerk it. Yes. up. Twerk it
1: Twerk it up.
0: twerk
2: it up. Yeah.
1: sorry. I was dancing.
2: Last <Ballista> time you were tossing your own salad. This time you're twerking. I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah,
1: baby. I got a new batch of syrup.
2: A theme of ash. Now, Fogarty, what is going on with you? I, I I had the pleasure of watching the video music awards with you the other night. That was that was a fun time, wasn't it? Yeah, that was fun. maybe, maybe uh maybe I'll take part in some of your your usual uh debauchery at some point. Um, yeah, you I just, should. I'm just not ready yet.
1: Yeah. Well, it certainly made the evening nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh
2: what's going on with you today? What are you doing?
1: Uh, oh, I had a rehearsal finally, starting a new project, I got about four that start up in the next couple of weeks, so, you know, feast or famine in this biz, you either doing nothing and waiting for the phone to ring, or you got too many damn projects. how it
2: always goes, ain't it, well, I'm glad you're yep,
1: yep, yep. back
2: doing your thug sizzle.
1: Who have yeah. you got
2: for us for the Hot Mess Awards tonight?
1: Okay. My first one would be that lovely real Jersey house bitch, Teresa. Judici, Joadice, Jewadice, however they're pronouncing it this week. Because even she changes the pronunciation of her own name. Uh, they were partying with about 30 family and friends on Long Island Beach. A little like section of it called Ship Bottom Beach. Yes, Ship Bottom. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. this, is little, this is a little pay-as-you-go area, you know, they give you a $5 sticker and allow you to be on the beach. Well, the little person who was patrolling the beach, and it was, you know, like a teenager, like, you know, lifeguard kind of aged kid, who's in charge of going around and checking to see, you know, that everybody has their beach pass, came upon the party of the 30 friends and family of the Judici, Jiduses, Judoses, whoever, uh, and they flipped out on this poor child saying, you know, they don't need no stinking badges and shit like that, to the point where the cops had to be called, and then finally they forked up and paid for everybody to be on the beach. So That was like different. a hot mess. Probably just continues to follow that hot mess. Because, you know, they're in court now daily for their bankruptcy and fraud case. So, yeah, things are a mess over there. (laughs) (laughs) And who is your second hot mess of the evening? Oh, just when you think, you know, that he's, like, turning shit around. Justin Bieber Q did it again. God, what now? Well, just hours after he was swimming with the little baby sharks, The little shit was driving home through Calabasas again, running stop signs. The cops pulled him over for that, telling him he was driving like an asswad. And in the process, when they ran his driver's license, he's not allowed to drive in the state of California yet because he's lived there longer than the amount of time he should have a state license. (laughs) What? What does that even mean? He hasn't lived
2: there long enough?
1: That means the, the new state law of California is once you've established residency for 10 days you have to have a new uh California state oh okay oh uh, yeah when well, you know, I, I was
2: there for for 2 years and that law was there when i was there and it, it never never seemed to affect me
1: well i don't think you were driving a ferrari doing 180 <laughs> through a you know <laughs> residential area and running stuff <laughs> how do you know maybe i was maybe i, I was a have monster. a feeling. In front of twenty thousand people. I have a feeling. So yes. <laughs> little little Bieber cues at it again.
2: Oh boy. Well hey, I I really hope she gets it together soon. Yep, me too. Me too. And who is your final hot mess of the evening? My
1: final one and it's just too good. I have watched this over and over and over again now for the last three days. The Miss Philippines USA contest. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. One
1: young woman known, uh, named Joan Leah Leasing, was asked when they got down to the final group. You know that all important question that you just love to hear them conversate on. <laughs> the question was: If you had only one sense of the five, which one would it be, and why? Poor Miss Joan Lea Leasing said, and I quote, Thank you for that wonderful question. <laughs> if I had to pick of the five senses, I would pick seeing. Because seeing is the best sense we could ever see. Because <laughs> is believing, and believe to what you see is perfect. And out of all those senses... uh." Seeing would really be wonderful because. Uh, thank you. That'll be it.
2: <laughs> End of quote.
1: End Did you quote. type that all? Did
2: you? Were you watching it and pausing it and typing that all? Up? I have
1: seen it so many times I have it memorized. <laughs> it, it is so good, and it comes complete with hand gestures. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah. So those are my three hot messes. Very nice. Uh,
2: and next up is uh, the John Weeks. What's what's next up? What's the segment we do next? Oh, you're talking about the jack off? Let me the jerk off. Oh, the jack off,
1: the jack off, the jerk off. You know, we're all jack off here. <laughs> it's lubrication what is this, time. <laughs>
2: All right. Uh, Get your loop ready, ladies. Tom Foerty, start us off.
1: Divorce proceedings began for Mickey Mouse against Minnie Mouse on grounds of insanity. When reached for comment, Mickey said, I didn't say she was insane. I just said she was fucking goofy.
2: (laughs) Robin Six's mother was perturbed by her son's performance with Molly Ray Cyrus at the VMAs. She said, I don't understand what Miley is trying to do. I think she's misbegotten in this attempt of hers, and I think it was not beneficial. Dick's mother then forced Carol to eat something, gave Mike a Bible, sent Ben to AA, and put Chrissy
1: to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go around the block for that one to hit you, folks. Just hang in there. It'll <laughs> come to you.
3: <laughs> NSYNC is reportedly frustrated with Justin Timberlake. About how short their portion of his VMAs performance was. What they're really upset about, however, is how short their careers were.
1: What? Uh, and are you frustrated? frustrated? What was that? Frustrated. 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 He's frustrated. frustrated. Alec Baldwin slammed a photographer against a car yesterday. When reached for comment, Baldwin apologized and said. I thought it was Elaine Stritch. <laughs> Pat Robertson suggested that gays
3: infected with AIDS like to wear rings to cut other people and give them AIDS. Rob Pattinson said Rob pa- Pat Robertson must have been confused and talking about wearing mermaid rings to become a vampire. Gee, Rob Pattinson and Pat Robertson, those two should just be gay together and give each other AIDS.
0: Oh,
2: <laughs> oh, that was that was a mouthful. Uh, Courtney Love drew criticism from the from the gay community. <laughs> Courtney Love drew criticism from the gay community when she exclaimed, "I love my homos." It turns out she actually said, "I love my hobos." You know, because C- she's a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know if you caught this, but they are so fucked up. Fox and Friends played the song Dude Looks Like a Lady while doing the report on Chelsea Manning. This does remind me of the time, though, when they played Bop" during the Oklahoma City bombing. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: GOP Senate
3: candidate Steve Lodigan said it was weird that Cory Booker is being so coy about his sexuality. Lodigan said... As a guy, I personally like being a guy. I don't know if you saw the stories last year. They've been out for quite a bit about how he likes to go out at 3 in the morning for a manicure and a pedicure. Cory Booker responded by saying, maybe my opponent should carry one of his constituents out of a burning building in the middle of the summer. Then
2: he could talk to me about being a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe then he should start talking about that. Cory right. Booker also said, if people think he's gay, so be it. In an unprecedented turn of events, Newark became the new San Francisco.
1: Ooh. <laughs> In a new campaign ad for New York City mayoral candidate Bill de Blasio, actress Martha Plimpton cracked that she hopes that under the next mayor, New Yorkers won't have to move to New Jersey just because they aren't millionaires. In response, Cory Booker personally donated $500 million to every single middle-class resident of New York City. <laughs> on <laughs> Sunday night,
3: Billy Ray Cyrus tweeted, Thank you, God, for so many blessings tonight. Continue to pray for world peace, more love, less hate. He followed up with, I was watching devastating news out of Syria. Chemical weapons used on innocent children is unacceptable. Oddly, the most appropriate reaction to Miley Cyrus's VMA performance was from Billy Ray Cyrus. Yep.
2: <laughs> yep. Revolts TV reported Timbaland is set to work with Michael Jackson vocals on an upcoming album. Timberland expressed his excitement. Jackson was
1: unreachable for comment. <laughs> uh-huh. Jared Leto expressed dissatisfaction with best rock video VMA being presented to his band 30 Seconds to Mars during the pre-show. In response, hip-hop artists from the 80s, 90s, and today said... Seriously?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> After the VMAs, Kelly Clarkson was talking about Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Ferry, and Molly Ray Cyrus. Just saw a couple performances from the VMAs last night. Two words, hashtag, pitchy strippers. What's interesting is that despite Kelly having a far better voice than all of them
2: combined, their music is so much better than hers. <laughs> Oops. Entertainment Tonight asked One Direction's Harry Styles if he thought his ex Taylor Swift would write a song about him Styles exclaimed now
1: what kind of crazy evidence do you even have to make that assumption (laughs) and the U.S. military is poised to unleash a military strike on Syria God bless you President George Racco Bushma
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: oh, boy.
2: Oh, boy. All right. And by the way, Tom Fogarty, that after party that I went to for the VMAs on Sunday was whack. Yeah? Yeah. Ain't no celebrities there except someone from Jersey Shore that I didn't know
1: who it was.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Who <laughs> from <laughs> the Jersey Shore oh. that we wouldn't know who they were? Like, the owner of the t-shirt shop that they worked in on the boardwalk? Yeah, exactly. I think that's who it was.
2: <laughs> Tom, Tom Fogarty, good luck with all... Sorry, break a leg with all your upcoming projects, and we'll talk to you next week, sir. Thanks a lot. Yeah, bust them femurs. Hello. <laughs> <Holla! laughs> good, good night. Good night. Bye. Did he just say bust them femurs?
3: Yes, bust them femurs.
2: What does uh, that even mean?
3: I don't even know. Break, uh,
2: bust the phone, I guess. Or
3: break a boner or something.
2: I don't know about I don't know about you, John Weeks, but I feel like the the joke off was just off tonight. We we are we are not we're not our regular stellar phenomenal selves tonight. I would agree with that. It was you know we're usually
3: at one hundred and ten percent. We were probably at eighty percent. We yeah we some, it was, something drops there. Um, you know it probably me with my mispronunciation, but. The, you know, but, yes, we had to get back on that ball. I said, kick Kitty Perea, I
2: think. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> and, and you said Molly Ray Cyrus, which which I, I love that. I love calling her that. I like Molly um, Ray Cyrus. <laughs> so what I was going to talk about before about what Andrew Manger So first you got the kids with the crust the Peppies. Then after, remember I told you we saw that Joker's Wild Comedy Club. So we go in there, um, and I told him no good can come from this. And we go into the comedy club, and I asked the guy, is there a cover? The guy said, you here for the first show or the second show? And I was like, I don't know. We're just walking in. And the guy's like, all right, so the second show, right? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. And, and the guy was like, okay, so it's supposed to be $18, but you know what? If you guys come in now, I'll give it to you for 10 and just, you know what? You're supposed to hang out in the back lounge. I'm supposed to send people back there, but it's fucking boring back there. So just go and sit at that table. And so – First off, that guy was completely bonkos. I mean, he was berserk. And then we we sat down at this table and saw, like, the tail end of this guy's set. um, And he was good. Uh, But the thing is that the next, it was the same show twice. So then we saw that guy again later. So here's what happened is, uh, as I said, I told Andrew Manger, no good can come of it. And we're we're sitting there, the the second show starts. By the way, I'm wearing an Iron Man t shirt and when I was in the comedy club I got two compliments. I got a compliment from the cable guy from ATT Uverse and I got a compliment from someone else. I got four I never have gotten compliment on a shirt in New York. I got four compliments in a matter of two days in New Haven. <laughs> well, it might have to do
3: with Iron Man being from Stanford, Connecticut.
2: Right? Is he really?
3: Huh? Yeah, he is? His, headqu- his headquarters was in Stanford. Yeah.
2: Oh, that makes sense. So <laughs> we no, it does, because you know it's all like the, you know, the corporate shit and WWE and shit. So that's right. Um, the uh, the, the the first uh, comedian, he was kind of this 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 fat fuck, and he <laughs> was,
0: <laughs>
2: you know, much like myself at the moment, and he. <laughs> was uh he was doing his act and he was talking about how horrible Hartford is and how it was good to be back in New Haven and I wondered if he, I wondered if he said the same thing but opposite you know when he's in Hartford um right but he uh was fine he was funny i thought uh but then this this guy who was sitting right in the front was talking to his girlfriend sitting next to him and so then the comedian started like uh saying what they were must have been whispering to each other into the microphone. And so the comedian was just like, oh, look at my big arm of cat, my whole sleeve of tattoos on my arm. Oh, that's so nice. That's fancy. Like, why you want to go make out later? And and so he was just kind of imitating. And they were oblivious <laughs> to the fact that he was imitating them. Oblivious. And then all of a sudden the guy goes, oh, me? And he turns to the guy. And it becomes apparent to me that this guy with the sleeve of tattoos he thinks that he's part of the show for the night. He's sitting right in the front, and he's talking just as much as the comedians. And so then, like, the comedians talking to him and stuff, and he's he's like, comedians, like, where, you know, where do you think you are? So then uh, that was um, the, oh, no, no, oh. And then he kept talking, and then this other guy, kind of more of a hipster guy, Because the guy with the Mm sleeve tattoo was more of like a bro, and then this was more of a hipster. And the hipster guy goes, we didn't fucking pay to see you. We came to see him, so shut the fuck up, dude. (laughs) And then, of course, that did not sit well with the talkative tattoo mofo. So then he was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? The bro, yeah, so the bro was flipping out. And then uh, the, the comedian was like, uh okay so yeah, that's that's the set and and like he was done and, he, and like everyone was laughing cuz he that was his time and he, as he got off stage the bros stood up and he started yeah. walking towards the other guy and I was like oh god and I like me and Manger both are expecting the worst uh but luckily he just went to the bathroom probably to do a couple more lines of coke um
0: <laughs> and,
2: and then the next comedian who came out was like wow, well, this is fucking weird. There's, like, fights breaking out and shit. Uh, all right, is everyone okay? And he's, like, making sure everyone's okay. And uh, the, the guy was, like, completely gone um, for a while, you know, because he was fucking doing the coke in the bathroom. Um, and then the guy was like, oh, he'll be back from doing his cocaine any minute now. And so then the guy comes back eventually, and he's like, oh, we, we missed you. We were worried about you. And then he proceeds to talk to the fucking girl next to him for a while, uh again the bro talking to his lady bro and and the hoe and they were just talking back and forth and so then the second comedian started imitating what they were saying as well um and then uh there was also this big like big guy who was in front of me who was at the table behind them who was just like the, every comedian said oh i don't want to mess with you sir but th- this guy was big in the way of, you know, these guys that used to go on uh, Maury Povich or Sally Jesse Raphael or uh, uh, <laughs> Jerry Springer. And they would just be, you know, like a thousand pounds and, and unable to leave their house. This guy was big in that kind of way. But everyone was, Damn. all the comedians were, were kind of, huh?
3: Damn, that's big.
2: Yeah, all the comedians were kind of saying he was big and more of a muscular way. And I guess he did get himself to the place. And I remember he was eating chicken fingers and I'm thinking, I don't think he should be eating those chicken fingers. Um, so maybe he should be eating one of them salads from that restaurant in Atlantic City if you know So he. am uh, So this is the the company that I'm in the other night. I got Mindrew to my right and then I got these dickheads in front of me and then you got the, the big thousand pound guy. Um, and what happened uh, with the, uh, what's it called? It the, the, the back comedian, the second comedian, he was like, he realized about, I don't know, 20 minutes into his set. He was like, I haven't done one fucking joke yet. Cause he was just talking about like the, all the drama that was going on. Um, he like, you, you guys want me to do a joke? You know, joke and he was pretty good. I shouldn't really be mocking him. Um, the host, I forgot, I neglected to mention, he was a little weird. He was actually the second comedian, the host were the two guys that complimented my, um, uh Iron Man shirt and you could tell they were like just you know comic book dorks and shit. Uh so I, I enjoyed that. Um but the the host kept on like saying like so uh how's everyone doing tonight? Pretty rad. Alright. And he was just so slow in his delivery and he kept taking in the room and stuff before he said anything. And there were there were very few people there. Uh so it's that's that was another bad thing is you had the fucking you know, there's just the the, the small ass crowd in this in this place um, where there's conflict. Not only that, but the second comedian also noticed that there was this couple sitting all the way in the back, like all it all. It was almost like they were in a different restaurant. They're sitting all the way at the back booth, and the guy was like, "Yeah, he's she's giving him a hand job under the table," and then she like lifted up her hands to prove she wasn't. Um, and then later he was talking about blowjobs, and he was like, oh, she'll tell you how. And then at some point he just goes, all right, seriously, why are you guys all the way back there? Who does that? Um, so that was awkward. And, you know, it's like, I am in this is almost worse than Patrick's lair. This is like a weird funhouse type of place. Um, so you got the bro and the hipster are both there. There's, there hasn't been too much conflict in a while. But keep in mind, the bro and, and the girl are still just yapping away. As if, you know, and they're right in front, right in front of the comedians, and they're in front of us, too. Um, like they're in between us and the comedians. They're the premix remix. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: so uh, the third comedian that came out was the one that we had seen some of prior. Uh, not Richard Pryor, that would have been amazing, but this guy was uh, named David Moon Sr., I believe his name was. He's from East Haven. You ever heard of him? No, I'm not. Okay. David. So, he, David Moon Sr. He was very funny. He looked familiar. And he kept talking to the the uh, the uh people that were talking and stuff. And he was, like, trying to kind of, like, calm the situation down so that he could kind of take control of the room. And he was like, like, I like you, man. You're a good guy. Buy, buy this guy a, a drink on me. And I, I was thinking, like, I don't know why you would get this guy any drunker than he already was because he was clearly obliterated. Um, and so I'm not sure, like, he he was doing two different things at once. I don't know what the strategy was. Maybe he was getting him one more drink so the guy would start puking and get the hell out of there. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but then there was another guy who came in who just started yelling shit out, and apparently he was, like, another comedian. And so this comedian was like, all right, don't yell stuff out in the middle of my set. What, What are you, what are you doing? And, uh, and then they started talking about drugs, and then the kid started yelling out some weird drugs from the... From the audience uh that he uh w- had taken that he like extracted it from plants or something, and so David moon senior was talking to the kid about how weird he w- he was with these drugs and stuff and he said the name of some drug I can't remember and David moon senior uh said said what's what's that and this this brother behind me goes, "Oh, I did that in college and then David moon senior <laughs> goes. Well, of course, the black crackhead knows what it is, and Andrew, Andrew Mandrew laughed with the fiery passion of a thousand suns when he said that, because like I told you, he's racist against his own race. He laughed like, like Agamemnon, with the fiery passion of Agamemnon on his way to Troy. Andrew could not stop laughing after the guy said, oh, of course, the black crackhead in the back knows that drug. Andrew thought it was the most incredible thing he'd ever. He was bending over his stool, cracking up.
0: <laughs>
3: the fury, of passion, of uh, Agamemnon. I don't. I don't
0: know what I'm saying.
2: So the, that was great,
0: That was phenomenal.
2: So the guy. Uh, uh, the guy and yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the guy and the girl that were talking, the bro and the and the the bro and the hoe. They got up and walked away at some point. And keep in mind, the, the comedian had been very nice to them and buying the guy a drink and everything. And then as soon as they got up and walked away, the comedian was like, "All right, can, you know what? Can we? That's enough. That's enough. I don't <laughs> think they should come back." And he kicked him out. He was kicking him out. Um, oh so good. The good. guy went from being really nice to to actually you know, taking control of the situation, which he did it in such a subtle way that it was very brilliant. And then mm-hmm. the girl came back and sat down, and he says, she doesn't even know she got kicked out yet. And the girl was, like, completely oblivious. And then she finds the guy and, like, yells his name. And then me and Manger are just staring at them as people are trying to kick them out. Oh, and you know what? She left her phone there, and this mm-hmm. this guy, this this, this guy who had, like, just a vest and no shirt on, and he had, like, a long ponytail and a <laughs> beard, he goes up, and they said that she left her phone, so he he takes the phone and says, it's my lucky day, <laughs> and puts it in his pocket and walks away. And so he got just as big a laugh as a comedian. This guy who was just, you know, in his leather shirtless vest. Um, and then uh, they finally, like settle the bill or whatever and leave, but Andrew Manger and I thought that they were going to fucking, that, that some sort of fight was going to break out, and especially after they got kicked out, but I, I think the only reason they hung around a bit is because they were trying to figure out the bill. Um, but as soon as we walked out of there, I said, I told you no good could come from that man. He was like, you were right, <laughs>
0: man. I know, man. I was crazy, man.
3: Well,
2: I really feared for my life on Saturday night, John Week.
3: Wow, that sounded just like Mandrew actually, what you just said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey man, I'm like, come on, man! <laughs> oh man, it sounds what you like a whole night? That's a... ordeal. That that sounds <laughs> whack. <laughs> <laughs> it
3: sounds, uh, you know, at least there was some comedic elements to it, but uh, it doesn't sound like there was a whole lot of comedy. Just a lot of chaos, Chaos. Uh, environment, chaos. chaos. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah.
3: A lot of people going crazy over there. A lot of the uh, uh, the Elm City regulars over there. It sounded like Wright uh, said Fred was there, you know, stealing phones. And uh, <laughs> so a lot of craziness there. But did Andrew like it
2: at all? We loved it. The, the, I mean, the comedians were great and they really handled the situation. Because I know from I watched that documentary on Netflix called Heckler that Jamie Kennedy is in, and it's all about how much comedians hate hecklers and like. And so it, it takes a very brilliant comedian to kind of, you know, take down a heckler. And so all of them, I thought, did a very good job, especially the last guy in that subtle way. I feel like the yeah. the best takedown of hecklers that I've seen is a is guy that we've had on the show, uh, Steve Hofstetter, uh, a brilliant takedown. If you want to go on the YouTubes and look up Steve Hofstetter heckler, you'd see him just destroying some asshole. But it's really like in the last, uh, or, no, two Louis C.K. specials ago, One of the first things he says when he comes out is, like, uh, if you want to say something to me, what you do is you write it down on a piece of paper and then um, pass it back to the lobby and then you walk out the door, go home, and kill yourself (laughs) because this is a rhetorical thing, you know? And then later in the show, someone was like, oh, Louie, and he goes, shut up, shut the fuck up, you fucking asshole. Didn't you hear me before?
3: (laughs) Oh, man, as a comedian, I don't know how I would deal with so many hecklers. It sounded like you got like a heckler every other minute, especially the bro and the
2: hoe and and uh, right said Fred and uh, the hipsters. And, it was it, mainly it was mainly the bro and the hoe and the drug <laughs> addict. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! It, it sounds and like the he's drug addict huh? is a comedian, so you would figure he would know the rules. But then at one point, like the guy uh, David Moon Senior made fun of the, the drug addict a little more, and the druggie. Uh, shook his head. He couldn't take it and he put a cigarette in his mouth and walked outside. And then he wound up sitting in the back. He couldn't take right. it. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: you know, uh, I don't know what it is with uh, comedy shows. Were they always like this? Because I have like a weird version of comedy that I see on TV where there's nobody really, you don't see that heckling because they edited it out. But then when you go to an actually a live comedy show, which I did in New York, I saw my friend perform, there is so much chaos, just like you're explaining in New Haven. Uh, that uh, I don't know how the comedians stay on point with their jokes, uh, and sometimes they had to go out through, through out the audience and try to make fun of people because that's the only way to calm some people down, but it's a fine line, right? Because if you pick on the wrong person, they might get really angry and really censored about certain things. And I saw this at in the, in the club in New York, and basically this comedian just kind of ruined – I think he ruined his career that night because he picked a, a really bulky big guy to make fun of, and the guy just got so angry. He threw his glass down and started swearing at the guy, and he's like, "Just don't suck!" And he got so angry that he got other people to say the same thing, and uh, I kind of felt bad for the comedian because there was not much he can do to kind of recover. And he, you know, the, eventually they called him off and put up another, another comedian to try to save the show, which they did. Uh, but you know, Jesus. that's a ru- that's a rough job, a comedian. That's a very rough job, uh, stand up.
2: Yeah, it's uh, I, it's it must be mortifying. Uh... Yeah, I, I can't like I feel like, you know, uh, having experience in acting that's it's a lot easier because you you don't have this obligation to make people laugh every few seconds and it's uh, uh and and everything is written out for you. Um not not that it's easy by any means, but it is um easier I'd say than being a stand-up comedian. Same thing with music, I think it's easier than being a stand-up comedian. There's a lot expected of you as a stand-up and I can't imagine many careers more mortifying than that.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, you not only have to deal with uh, your, your own jokes being funny, but the, the environment you're in sometimes can be so rough. And doing that, you know, as a – I don't think you could do that as a career unless you're highly successful and you have some kind of show. But you know who I've been really getting into is, you know, another note, sort of comedy, but they're not really stand-up comedians, is uh, Key and Peele. I think Key and Peele are hilarious. Have you ever seen them?
2: No, but people keep telling me to watch them.
3: I think they're hilarious. I think the next best thing is like Chappelle show or whatnot, if, if you like Chappelle show. You know, I think they're
2: mm-hmm. hilarious and, and they're witty too. Well, that's good. I'll have to check it out. Tom Fogarty was saying that Ch- uh, Chappelle's new routine that he's been you know, touring the small clubs working on and now he's got the tour with the Flight of the Concourse guys, apparently it's supposed to be the most brilliant thing in years for uh, comedy. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he has in store.
3: Yeah, definitely, you know, I, I, comedy needs some kind of revival. I, I uh, my, Actually, my parents just got tickets. Uh, uh, I think they're in, they're in Connecticut tomorrow, Chappelle and the Concord. So, uh, oh, it's I think Mohegans be, or Foxwoods? I think it's the Mohegans. I, I want to say Mohegans. Yeah. But uh, I would love to check that out. Uh, Chappelle did something at GW. I saw him. He was good. He was not great. I, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, I saw Leno stand up. He was very average. Uh, and that's pretty much all the comedians that I've seen. Where did you see Leno? I saw Leno he was at GW too. I saw all these uh, shows for free. Where?
2: At GW. Oh, okay.
0: Um,
2: you know you know I uh I, 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 I shouldn't admit this, but I saw Jay Leno do comedy once That. uh
0: Oh you saw Jay Leno, huh? You I, saw Jay I Leno did.
2: <laughs> I did. It was back when I was a child before I uh, reached the um a certain capacity of brain cells. But you stop it, but <laughs> he. But he he was very funny. He was um. There, there was nothing like risky about his material. But but that's that's that was him in his element, you know. And he's right. you know the guy is such a fucking dickhead because he doesn't uh, spend any of the money that he makes from the Tonight Show. He banks it all. He doesn't even use it. Any mm-hmm. money that he spends uh, is from these these stand-up gigs that he does touring across the country. So. Uh, so that's fascinating, but that's, that's you know, because uh, even David Letterman will say back in the 70s at the comedy store, there was nobody funnier than Jay Leno and that all the comedians wanted to be Jay Leno and stuff. But the other thing is that Jay Leno, although he was this great likable guy and everyone wanted to be like him and, and hang out with him and do comedy like him, he was also a bit of a weasel. Right. And, right. and so with the whole Conan thing, Dave, Dave said to Conan, "Then now, yes, this is the Jay I remember. Like the Weasley one. Oh boy. Oh uh, boy. But John Weeks, we have uh so little time and uh so much to cover, so let's I think uh we'll we'll just have to end on this one last thing. Um a lot okay. of people, John Weeks, call you the uh the the yeah, you have a ton of nicknames, the Sade to my batter Playboy of the Western World, Betrayal by Harold Pinter, um The Dumbwaiter, Waiter, uh Zoo Story. The goat, or who is Sylvia? Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? The Neverending Story, uh, The Doctor Drew of the Internet, and um, also uh, uh, The Great City Playboy. So, <laughs> thank you. We have another um, letter that was sent oh, to you're us. Going and to if be you think Are you that, serious? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and if you think that the one from last week was, uh, you know, difficult to navigate through and kind of intense, uh, this one is even more so. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> Are you ready?
3: I, I, I hope I'm ready. Oh, boy. I'm a little nervous. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> you got nervous Joey over here.
0: nervous <laughs> <laughs> Joey? Oh, sorry. <laughs> what?
2: what? was that sound that you just made? was that was shy Joey. <laughs> 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 oh, nervous crying, Joey. So okay. um, this this is from Jay in San Francisco. Here we go. Listen carefully, buddy. This is a doozy. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Blazon Rye and Jonathan Weeks, greetings from San Francisco. I am involved in an open relationship with a wonderful girl. As it is in open relationship, our wants and needs are very different from more conventional couples. My girlfriend maintains an active lifestyle in the dominant submission subculture. As a submissive, she has a master, a.k.a. a dom, who inflicts pain at her request and controls her whenever they have their sessions together. Of course, it is all consensual and safe words are used. From my research, I have learned that it is natural in these types of relationships for emotions to develop in fact it wouldn't be desirable for either party if there were no emotions involved she has told me that they do indeed have love for each other but not in the way that she loves me and similarly not in the way he loves his respective primary partner i know that uh, big hearts can lend different kinds of love to all sorts of people so i know the love she has for him does not overlap with the love she has for me, much like how you don't love your mother the same way you love your significant other. In fact, she has specified that while she loves him, she is not in love with him. She is, however, in love with me. My dilemma is this. Despite being permissive and open, I fear that my primal instincts are taking over and jealousy is flaring up. Believe it or not, I couldn't care less whose dick she has in any of her orifices. I am worried, however, that I am growing jealous of her emotional affections with another man, even if they ostensibly do not overlap with ours. Should I suppress this jealousy? If so, how, or alternately, should I instead bring it up with her and attempt to address the situation head-on? Sincerely, J. Wow! Wow! Oh, jeez.
0: Oh, um, oh. that's that's a, that's a, that, wow,
3: that's a, that's a complex scenario. This is for real, right? Yeah,
0: it's as real as it comes. Wow.
3: Wow, that's a great question. Uh, That's complex. And obviously, Jay, you know, you're an honest person. uh, I appreciate that. And uh, told me everything about your relationship there. And you seem to know a great deal about it and uh, to be very sensible. So, uh, I think whatever decision you make will be uh, will be the right one. But in terms of my guidance that I can give you, uh, you am know, not so knowledgeable on the subject of BDSM, but uh, you know, I, I take it as pretty much it's an erotic interest or, or fetish or whatnot. You know, like a lot of people or most people have. So I think in that regard, I think you have a healthy relationship as of now with your current uh, open relationship with your girlfriend. I think that's that's that safe to say. I think, uh, the BDSM with the master, uh, that she has the relationship there, it seems, uh, you know, it seems legitimate in terms of, uh, it's not really yet interfering with your relationship with your girlfriend. Uh, as long as she says that she, uh, loves him, but is not in love with, uh, with him and is in love with you, I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, but it seems like, you know, uh, like you're saying, your traditional values of jealousy are coming through in terms of uh, you know regular, uh, normal relationships, which is I think it's completely normal. Uh, so I would say um, jealousy is a strong emotion, and you can't really suppress it. And the more you suppress it, I think the worse it gets. And the more phony or, or uh, incapable you're going to be able to progress to a relationship because that's what a relationship is. I think it needs to meet hurdles and, and overcome those hurdles, and if it can't, then the relationship shouldn't last. So I think if you're you're having obvious issues with jealousy, then you have to approach it, you know, in the traditional manner of, you know, approaching your girlfriend because you love her. And, uh, of course, she loves you. Then you have to talk about it honestly and openly with her and talk to her about it. And either you uh, you said that you uh, have no problem with her practicing this BDSM, but I think you do. I think, obviously, if you have jealousy issues, you do have a slight problem. With um, the relationship that she has with the master, and you need to pretty much either—I don't want to say set guidelines or you know give her like a ultimatum there—but you have to talk about it openly. And the more open that you, you are with in terms of the relationship, and that you're sure that she's in love with you, and you know it's mutual, um, I think the better it is. And I think that conversation should be, always be ongoing. Um, and there might become a point in in terms of the relationship where the jealousy overcomes. Uh, any kind of uh, of trust that you may have for, with this relationship. And I think that's natural, too, because I think, uh, you know, sometimes over time, uh, the relationship will uh, transform into something more serious where maybe you want to get married, maybe you want to get uh, more involved with her whether moving in or something like that, something along those lines. Um, and I think you have to uh, be willing to accept that, you know, those ultimatums may come down the line. They may not. But, uh, you know, if a relationship, usually when it... it Progresses. i think those it will happen so uh, i think having an open uh conversation with her about uh love and making sure that she's always in love with you and that the uh relationship with the master is just purely a sexual slash fantasy kind of relationship that's that's good to have always i don't think following up your emotions about jealousy is a good thing so uh, i think and also keeping it ongoing is allowing you to um Talk about it further down the road. If something changes, like the jealousy really builds up again, I think you have to have. Um, you, have to, you have a great respect for relationships, and I, I appreciate that. I think that's a great thing. It's obviously a mature thing to do. Um, but you have to have, I think, uh, respect for yourself, uh, self-respect, and uh, that that's just as important in relationships in terms of where you want to go. And uh, down the road, you might want to go get serious with this girlfriend. As you said, you have an open relationship and. If that comes to that point, then you have to make a decision, and you might have to lay down some guidelines or an ultimatum, and that's up to you. And, you know, it's purely up to you. I, I say keep the ongoing conversation, you know, uh, progressing and and know what you want in the relationship and start thinking about that uh, before you actually have this conversation and just have it as openly and honest as can be. And I, think that's, I think you obviously know which way you have to go. And, you know, uh, jealousy is, is, is a powerful emotion, but... You, you, you have to suppress it so that you can have an honest conversation, so where the jealousy doesn't overcome what you really feel. So make sure it's open and honest, and it sounds like you guys have a good relationship, and talk about it. And if uh it comes to a point where you have to make a decision, that's ultimately what we have to do, you know? But um, that's up to you. So I, I wish you great luck, and that's a complex uh, fact pattern there. I think you, you do well, though, because I think you're in touch with your emotions, sensitive, and... You know relationships very well. Good luck.
2: I do think it's uh, quite commendable how open and honest they've been with each other thus far. Um, yeah, definitely. And the fact that that um, you know, at least she's been able to maintain uh, a certain lifestyle that she deems necessary at the moment, and his understanding of it. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you, East, that if there is any sort of suppression of the jealousy. I don't think suppression of anything is good in a relationship unless you're suppressing the desire to go fucking Pintoris and, and kill, kill the girl, you know, suppress that. Right. But right. for the that most part, I, I don't think you should be suppressing anything. Um, the uh, jealousy is, is a strong thing. And yeah, if you, it does. It only gets worse if you suppress that. So I think you're right about, you know, maybe setting guidelines and shit. Uh, and uh, go from there. I don't think it's a good idea to suppress it. The, the, but the the second choice that you gave, Jay. Alternatively, should I instead bring it up with her and attempt to address the situation head on? I think that's. I mean, that's just a good rule of thumb for every aspect of your relationship, um, wouldn't you mm-hmm. say?
3: Oh, I would say every aspect of the relationship, whether it's a friendship, with a girlfriend, boyfriend, 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 any any kind of romantic relationship or serious relationship that you want to progress i think that's i you know i often think you know and i thought about this all week i think it's funny how you know we're always so scared of of conflict or approaching people and and things on different issues that we think that we may disagree on but i think conflict is the only thing that drives us towards another stage another level uh, of progress in life and anything so i think we should embrace conflict in a way that you know, we're not obviously we don't want to be troublemakers and create conflict, but we want to embrace it head on, so that we know how to deal with the problem and we're open about it, and both parties are engaged in a manner that has a resolution that's beneficial to both. And he may find that, you know, Jay may find that the relationship's not going anywhere. But that is, you know, in the short term, it's, it's sad and it's it's a you know heartbreaking. But it's better for you in the long term because you know what you want and you know how to go after that. So. I think we should embrace conflict in a manner that, you know, is beneficial to all and uh, don't be afraid of it. You know, that's And I think that's part of just uh, growing up and maturing, you know, and, and that's what I find in my life is just
2: uh, talk to people, you know, talk to
3: people. On a, to em- you
0: know,
2: embrace conflict and look at it in a positive light because uh, it gets things done, I think that's a fascinating uh, approach to turning kind of what what we largely view as a negative thing into a positive thing. Um now I would be remiss John Weeks since a lot of the show thus far has been based on my ignorance over other things uh I, I need to ask about the content of that letter now the, the I don't mean any disrespect to Jay or his uh girlfriend um mm-hmm. but what do you think of these the these guys that get off on really hurting physically the women that they're having sex with to the point that they're bruised up and down all over. I I don't, this may sound very ignorant and and kind of terrible, but I think that there's kind of an innate nature in, in men um, to be protective of uh, women. Um, And uh, you know, that's not, it's just an innate thing. It's not a thing that, that, kind of, you know, society teaches us or anything. It's just something that tends to be there. Um, but I, I can't imagine feeling good after beating the crap out of someone. <laughs> yeah, well,
3: that's, that's a really good point. I really can't uh, delineate on that. But I think that's, you know, when you're talking about B- BDSM and, and dominance, I don't know a whole lot about the subject, but I know that it's, uh, you know, kind of a large culture now in terms of sexuality and, and, and culture. And it's growing and growing, and there's a large commercial business for it, and it's becoming a big part of relationships and a lot of people. So, and, and there's, you know, there's levels of it. So it goes from, you know, small to extreme, of course, with everything. Um, so I think I, – I know what you're saying, hurting people and dominance over other people. it's kind of a weird thing in in a romantic relationship where you're supposed to care about somebody and protect them, right? Um, And they almost seem like uh, complete opposites, which they probably are. But in nature, there's a lot of control and dominance uh, aspects of of sexuality as as well. And I think um, all kinds of fetishes and erotic fetishes are, are, are you know, as long as they're done in the realm of not completely hurting somebody physically and emotionally because that can happen. Um, I think it's okay. I think it's, it's, uh, you know, as long as we keep control of it, a, a, and as I said before, setting certain guidelines, I think it's okay. I think it's a culture that's been largely accepted over time. A lot of people still look at it as, as weird and kind of counterculture, but it's, it's a large part of, of nature and the man and, and woman's relationship and, a lot of people look at it as very kind of ancient and uh, uh, you know medieval kind of behavior, but it's really not. It's something that uh, is is actually quite popular. It's been widely accepted as long as you don't cross the line of hurting or abusing someone physically, you know, especially a younger person or whatnot. And and uh, people are consensual in this relationship, which, which Jake said he was, uh, uh, they both were, and it's an open relationship. I think that's. Plenty fine because I think that's uh that's you know and that's the way the world has become you know we've become very accepting of different kind of um aspects of sexuality and I think that's d d s m is just one of those, and I think it's plenty fine as long as you don't step over certain guidelines and and you know and the so that and that's exactly what it is what I'm really trying to say is it's fantasy uh as long as you don't mm-hmm. pass that that thin line it's fantasy it, it's pleasure, it's sex. And and when you're done with that aspect of it, you have a relationship underneath that. And the relationship is what's most important, and as I'm sure it is for Jay. So, if, if, uh, if it's based on love, trust, honesty, that's what's most important over the, the sexual uh, eroticism and whatnot. Um, but it's not a dirty thing. It's it's somewhat wildly acceptable, and as long as you just, again, don't cross the line, and, and the relationship is paramount. So, um, fantasy is fantasy, and and love is love, so you gotta cradle that love, man. Protect it. And that's what you should protect. You know, and I then,
2: guess it's, it's what, what Tamika the kid says is, is right. It's as long as it's between two consenting adults then, then everything's just fine. But the thing is about fantasy and love, if I'm the guy that is in love with her and then she you know, I I I, I go to fuck her and she's bruised all up and down, my first instinct is well well that's fucking gross. Secondly, right. I wanna go beat the guy up who did this to her. Right. Right. And that's what but I guess know, that's, yeah, that's just me.
3: No, no, that's not just you. I think you're actually that's more of the majority, that's how the majority thinks. That's how I would think. Um first of all, you know, the protection of my my significant other, you know, and uh, whether or not they uh uh yeah. you know agreed with this kind of treatment and secondly, what the heck am I going to do to the guy who did this, or the person who did this to my significant other? So, um, but I think that's you know part of the fantasy. And as long as the significant other is you know okay with it, and, and giving her okay on it, or his okay on it, that's, that's up to them, and that's up to the, that dynamic of the relationship. You know, if, if Jay feels like it's he's going overboard, then he needs to bring that issue up. That's a serious issue. That's uh that's that goes beyond. Um, uh, just the relationship that's emotional, possible damage with with her, with his uh, significant other or whatnot. And uh, that's something you should probably bring up immediately, you know, but yes, again, mm-hmm. fantasy, fantasy and love. It's been around for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, 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 there's become a point in our culture where we've become accepting of a lot of things. And I think, I don't think that's the worst thing there is quite frankly, there's a lot, a lot of worse things, such as, uh, you know, uh, that's a lot different from, like, abuse of child minors and whatnot. And, and right. you know, that stuff is a lot worse. So I think that's, you know, uh, as you said, consensual relationship and fantasy versus love
2: is, is a big thing. So And relationships versus just sex is a big thing, too. Well, Jay, if lines get blurred uh, and you get jealous, um, then just let her know. I think we, Weeks and I both agree that, that, you know, it never gets expressed that. Uh, thank you so much for your letter. Jay from San Francisco, we're listening.
3: But I don't know what to do with those and eggs. They're calling again.
2: They're calling again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, John Weeks, uh, last two orders of business, what do you think Mousy, the dog that lives by herself, is doing right now? <laughs> Mousy's dog right now
3: is eating cardboard and drinking Chardonnay while crapping on the kitchen floor
0: and blasting our radio show
3: throughout the entire neighborhood. Wait,
2: so is she eating the cardboard that she's crapping on? Yes. Oh, there was some dog. I just heard about some dog uh, was eating its own shit, so they had to put something in the shit to make it, smell worse, so he wouldn't want to eat it, but the thing is, it's shit already, so how can you make it smell worse than it already does? You know, you know I didn't know that
3: uh, dogs, like, like to eat their old crap, and they can die from it, they get some kind of worm, and unless you give them, like, a certain shot, they can immediately die Oh, yeah, like Ben Cousin it.
2: with a parasite.
3: Yeah, Maybe and my he's eating
2: his own feces.
3: Yeah, my friend's dog did that. That's kind of nasty, actually, but... um <laughs> That's <laughs> that cause cancer. That's right. If if that comes out of your body, man, that's not, that should not be going re entering your body. That's not that's not right. <laughs> I don't know.
2: Some people like to
3: drink piss. <laughs> that's true, that's true. That's true. Uh, and that, that, to me, that to me is weirder than BDSM
2: That that's much weirder to me. <laughs> well, that's another fetish. That's another fetish Um That is, that is. and by the way, I know a guy that likes to get peed on, and he doesn't know that the rest of us know that he likes to get peed on, but he's just the worst. He's just, like, he just sucks. And then it was such a joy when my friend saw this ad on Craigslist that had, like, a headless picture, but it was shirtless, and it was the same picture from some other thing that he already had on his Facebook. And so my friend knew that it was him, and it was like, I want wet work. And stuff. And it was such a joy to see that that he was trying to get urinated on. I don't know. <laughs> Why
0: would
3: we
2: just all urinate on this person? Hell, <laughs> <laughs> you know, bukeki bukaki uh, last up, uh what's your favorite scene in she's a mind mine with a brain of Minds mind, a mind of in mine.
0: Okay. All right.
3: My favorite scene, uh, the You're Mind of mine mind of mine scene of mine, mine is <laughs> Definitely, when Amanda B. Amanda Bynes' mind, she she puts on an Oscar-worthy performance. I don't know why she didn't win it, uh, but she dresses up as an old woman, a nanny, and she's gone through this divorce uh, as a man, and she comes back as a, she comes back as a woman, as a nanny, an eighty-eighty-five-year-old nanny, to take care of the kids and get close back to her uh, his family. And Amanda Bynes' mind plays the best old lady. Not only is she doing a a sex change in in general from a man to a woman, but she's playing an old woman. And the best scene I've ever seen is when she actually has a children's show with Louie. And she goes,
0: what's are there,
3: children? (laughs) And that's my favorite scene.
2: It's like your old granny voice.
0: That's right. That's right.
2: What <laughs> what's that line from that other Amanda Baines movie about freedom is the something of all sentient oh, beings? Oh, you know, that's what yeah, Amanda Baines
3: plays this great robot called Otto's Mind, and he goes Freedom <laughs> is the life of all sentient beings <laughs>
2: That's a great movie. You know <laughs> what my favorite Amanda Baines movie is with uh Atimus Prain Bane Band Among Bains his you know, is what is your when, favorite? <laughs> it's when she was um uh, kind of, it's when she was older than she is now, and she was blind, and she was sitting there in in the courtroom next to Robin, uh, from Batman and Robin, and she uh, she gets up uh, in the middle of the courtroom and goes, "I'm out of order, you're out of order, this whole courtroom's out of order." <laughs> That's my favorite scene. Is she's the main man with the main bank his main. I love that scene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Well, uh, John Weeks, you have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you the next Hump Day, sir. Thank you. You too. Incredible show. Incredible. <laughs> it's phenomenal. I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence. Go record a podcast, everybody. Don't shit on the roof. And if you have a Barbie doll, end that bitch backwards. Burn her knuckles on the stove. Leave her in some drawers somewhere for your mother to find and come up and be like,
0: do you do this? This is sick. Do you do this? This is sick.
2: <laughs> Good night, Johnny. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. <bro. laughs>